Welcome to P.I.'s Declassified, an inside look at the world of private investigators. Your host is Francie Kaler, a noted private investigator. Francie and her guests take you behind the scenes and into the genuine, sometimes gritty business of investigation. You'll hear stories from the trenches with plenty of surprises. Here's your host, Francie Kaler. Hey, hey, welcome to P.I.'s Declassified. It's Here it is, it's the end of summer. Most places, school has already started, uh, traffic is crazy, and I hope you're here listening to PIs Declassified today. Let me just tell you about a couple of conferences that are coming up. The 2017 Annual Conference for TALI, Texas Association of Licensed Investigators, will be held in San Antonio, the San Antonio Wyndham Riverwalk, off August 23rd to 27th. If you are interested in that, go to www.tali for Texas Association of Licensed Investigators.org. And then a big conference for the Rocky Mountain Private Investigators, PPIAC. It's Thursday, uh, September 14th through Saturday, September 16th. It's the Denver Marriott Westminster. And if you're interested in that conference, uh, PPIAC.org. And Brandon. Perrin will be there on the 14th giving his uh, criminal defense criminal defense training. Um, if you haven't ever t- attended that, folks, this is not one to miss. It's fabulous. So I am so excited today to introduce you to Cynthia Hetherington. She's going to be talking to us about online research and the mysteries surrounding online research. If you're overwhelmed by doing due diligence or background checks or or where to go in social media, Cynthia is the person to talk to. Hi, Cynthia. Francie, hey, hello. Hello to your to your listeners. Absolutely. I'm I'm sure that uh, people are really excited about listening to what you have to say. Um, so tell us, Cynthia, when you You've been doing this for years. Just let's just start there. You've been doing this for twenty years. Is that right? Yeah, we celebrated a twenty-one year anniversary for the business. Yeah, that's amazing, and that's practically when you know internet was a baby twenty years ago. We predate Google. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> that's 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 amazing. So, and and I know that you spend all of your time just researching new sources and and new ideas but when you start when you do something when you start search where where do you start what do you start with well you know Francie, it's a great question because it could be a real overwhelming task when you're you know find me everything on this company this purse or this place and you know, it, and it's no great surprise that we start professionally just like any amateur would is we'll use the common search tools like Google to get just uh, the lay of the land and what's available in open source. So Google's a good place to start. Using it properly helps make you more efficient, but there's nothing wrong with popping in a name and hitting that search button to see what you get back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is amazing. Sometimes you really hit gold like first try, and other times you can't get anything at all. Well, that's quite telling, Francie, because if if your immediate search brings you back nothing, 
sometimes nothing, and, and every veteran investigator is going to know this, sometimes no answer is an answer. So, you know, you, you wonder, well, ABC Corporation is supposed to have been around here for a couple years, and I don't even see a Google ranking for it, which really leads us into a different direction as to trying to validate if the company really exists, or perhaps it's just a shell company and it doesn't really have anything behind it, making it a fraudulent entity. So there's mm-hmm. definitely a lot of approaches, but a very straightforward, free, easy, and applicable um, application is going to be Google to start. Well, I guess good because that's what I do. <laughs> great. <laughs> that's great. So tell us, uh, Cynthia, tell us a little bit about your background. How did you get, um, how did you get going in this particularly, particular segment of investigation? Well... Speaking of Google, I, I, I say I predate Google. I was Google. Back in the early 90s, I was a librarian. I worked in the public library system, a master's degree in library science, and was happily giving out books on Marco Polo and you know, using databases that libraries had access to, which has really given me a leg up in this industry because I still know those databases. But at the same time, I would get I would get private investigators. Fancy, this is the best. Private investigators would come to my library with questions. You know, now you go mm-hmm. to Google, but back then you came to the library to do some of your research, and I was intrigued yeah. by what they were looking for and what they wanted to find. So it helped them, and in some cases, and I had one one investigator came in and he said he needed to find some sort of specialized poison. He thought his his client thought she was being poisoned by her husband, and you know being 20-nothing years old and trying to be smarty-pants. I was like, oh, I'll get the answer for you. So I went to the <laughs> Internet. So it was like, I was like, come back tomorrow. We'll have the answer. And I did. That was the best part because I went to the Internet. I found the listserv for forensic scientists, and I wrote them. And I said, hey, I'm a librarian in northern New Jersey. Can anyone help me find the answer to this question about poisons? And, Francie, within 20 minutes, the head of the, uh, the Broward County Medical Examiner wrote me and said, have the guy give me a call. Wow. And I, I remember pushing back from the monitor, and please, you have to understand, back in the day, it wasn't a point-and-click world. We were still in uh, D- uh, DOS and Windows 3.1 <laughs> environments. So everything was text on the screen, and you, know, you, didn't, you didn't have happy pictures or images or there was no video chatting, so... So I push away from this black and white screen and I look up and I'm like, wow, the medical examiner from Broward County can help my patron. This is real. This internet's going to be kind of handy. I think there's a future here. And <laughs> sure enough, she was being poisoned. The husband was in the gold rolling really? business and he was using some of the chemicals that you use in that process to slowly poison his wife. But this, this private investigator was just a local guy in my town um, was able to get information, and I, I just kind of, you know, I got like bit by the, by the PI dog there, and I, and I haven't looked back. I started searching out organizations and groups of um, investigators on the internet, and just started joining their listservs and answering mm. questions. And then, you know, twenty something years later. Here I am. <laughs> wow! So, and, I still get the dog on my cuff. <laughs> that's fabulous. And how did you become a licensed investigator? How did that transpire? Well, you know, in this business, it's real important to find uh, a mentor, and and I try to be that now for up and coming investigators. But back then, the folks of uh, NALI, of NCISS, the different state associations. 
they were really the ones who kind of brought me into the fold. And my particular mentor was a fellow named Bill Vincent from VTS or oh, PI no, Chicago. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I can't, I can't say the, enough nice things about Bill, but don't tell him that. <laughs> so I'm Bill send said, him a note today. <laughs> oh, he's just the best. So Bill, Bill, yeah, I'm right answering now. questions on listeners, and Bill reaches out to me and says, "Hey, you're a librarian. You might be handy." And I was also very good at programming. I did websites and stuff in the day. So he, I was helping him with websites. I was helping him with with doing research assignments, and I worked under his license for you know the five years that most of us need to get as an apprentice until we can go for our own license. But the funny thing was, is I was happily doing this business and I worked business to business. I worked directly for other investigators and and we still do, but I was just doing research work for them. So they would be the real PI and I'd be like the analyst in the back office and I would do LexisNexis searches or, or ProQuest or dialogue or literature and, you know, Joe Dickerson. I remember one of the first cases he sent me out of Colorado to locate someone you know, it was another big success. And I just talked to Joe the other day, and, you know, you keep those relationships. So so these guys really started just throwing work to me, and, and then one day someone suggested that I get paid, which was just an amazing concept. Because remember, I was a librarian. We gave it away for free. Right. And then it was, whoa, okay. So Bill was, uh, you know, kind enough to bring me into a relationship where I can actually learn on the job and make some remuneration, and he just, you know, I think I, my upbringing in this business was just nothing but kind and generous from all the PIs that stepped in front of me. So you get to an event, and I'm sure we got a lot of NALI listeners or those who consider yeah. these associations. When I get out to these meetings, like our recent conference, and I still see some of the investigators, because some have, some have uh, retired, and they, you know, they're doing other fun things, and I just have the, this utmost respect for seeing how these people have really made a living doing something we love doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it just have stayed in the profession and, and have changed. And I've watched the, you know, the old gumshoes change with social media and really adapt. And that's a, a testament to the skill set and the training we have in the industry. You know, like the conferences you just mentioned, it just really leads to those real great events. So, Well, I, I, I think- love hearing how much help you had because, some, you know, sometimes uh, the private investigator profession has a reputation for being close to the vest and not sharing ideas and tools of the trade. And and so it's Mm -hmm. fabulous to hear how you've been helped so much by a variety of people. So that's, that's really refreshing. We do have a we do have a tendency, and I think that comes, Francie, from the uh, the law enforcement models keeping things close to vest. Mm-hmm. A lot of the, a lot of practitioners in our profession come from you know the law enforcement career, and so that's their training. As a librarian with a different background, I'm always about offering information out there. Right. I don't believe that I get paid for my information. I believe that you're paying me for the skill set and the advantages of what I could do and how quickly I could do it, and how professionally I could do it for you. I don't think it's just a report that you're paying me for. You know, there's no value. It's the value of what you're paying me for. So, I mean, I publish a newsletter that's now in print over 16 years. Um, When Jimmy and Roe Messes bought PI Magazine, I was standing in the office the day he bought that magazine and started writing (coughs) articles for him. And and I'm back there writing articles for Jimmy. Uh, Or, well, now Jimmy's just sold it. So, and now... 
you know, I've written four books, you know, I teach all over the world. And guess what? The clients are still calling, business is still coming in, and my relationships are still real solid with my investigative community. And I think it's, I think it's because we share. And professionals out there, like um, in my little segment of the world that specialize in open source work, you know, you have Sandra Stibberds, you have Michelle Stewart, Nicole Bokra. I, I'm, I'm not naming enough people, but, you know, professionals I really feel akin to that do this type of exactly. work. Exactly. You know, we're we're successful because we share. You know, our names are out there. Everybody knows you can email us and we'll answer a question for you. So, I I feel that that is going to be a uh, an advantage in the future. That and the social media leanings are going to put us more in the share world and not the close to vest. That's going to be out of fashion real fast as it's fading away now. Yeah. Well, as long as we're talking about those uh, different sources. Let's just talk real quickly about the uh, books you've published. You you did the guide to due diligence online. Which uh, yes, uh, the the most recent book that came out was the fourth edition to the manual to online public records with Mike Sankey, mm-hmm. uh, who's a genius behind BRB Publications and yeah, Back I know on Demand Press. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Again, another person who basically just pulled me up and said, you need to do this. You know, it's just, yeah. I wouldn't be half, half of the investigator I am if it wasn't for these folks. But Mike Sankey's The Manual to Online Public Records, and then The Guide to Online Due Diligence Investigations, The Old Business Background Investigations, uh, Web of Deceit, all of these books are, are out there and available. Much of the material is also covered in our newsletter, and that's what I'm honestly most proud of. It's it's great to write a book, but a book is dated as soon as it leaves the shelf. Right. But data, yeah, sure. data to know my my newsletter, Internet and Online Intelligence, is going into its seventeenth volume, and Amazing. it's been a pay for success since day one. And what I do now, and a lot of PIs will know this, is I sneak a lot of the full articles out of my own newsletter, and I put that in PI Magazine. Oh, so, good. you know, if you're subscribing there, you get good content. If you're on Data to Know, you get 17 years of actual full breadth and depth of every website that's ever been useful for an investigator. Like, we do crazy things. I'll find, um, if you go to The Knot, which is a wedding website, it says, hey, mm-hmm. you know, Cynthia is getting married to so-and-so. Well, as an investigator, I'll use that to find out who the person my my subject is being married to, what the names of the family members and the people who are attending the wedding are, because there's a whole wedding biography, where you register for gifts, which tells me a little profile information about your price points. You know, if you're if you're registering for gifts at Target versus Crate and Barrel versus you know a high end expensive store, you know these are all indicators that we develop characteristics about you on and just names, dates, locations it's all intelligence tools it's all open source and you leave no fingerprints behind when you're viewing That's these sites fabulous fabulous I, you know, you just mentioned Jimmy and Romessis Ro and PI Magazine. I just want to give them a plug because they have been uh, my most loyal sponsor from the beginning of the show which is um, going on its 8th year by the way and, uh, congratulations, that's outstanding <laughs> And you mentioned that they that Jimmy had sold the mess, the magazine. I don't know whether that's out there publicly yet or not. Um, so it is. So, yeah. It's okay. It's okay to say. Yeah. Yeah, Jim okay. made the okay. announcement himself, and okay. um, 
uh, Jim Nanos and Nicole, forgive me, I don't remember her last name, purchased it. They're investigators out of New Jersey, members of the New Jersey Licensed Private Investigators Association, well-respected locally here. We're a little proud. We're all Jer- Jersey people very proud. So. Uh, yeah, 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 that's true. <laughs> and that's great. And that's great. And and I'm glad somebody uh, bought the magazine is, is going to be able to carry on the tradition because Jimmy and Roe have done an amazing, an amazing job. Absolutely. They're real. Uh, they're really forward-thinking. Uh, you know, brilliant at marketing and then application. You know, Francie, I think one of the things that investigators have a lot of is ideas. Mm. You know, but like yourself, somebody's got to grab the reins and actually do something, build something, create something. Yeah. And we mentioned, you know, databases, and we're talking about investigators and close to vest. Something in the in a trend, I could tell you, and 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 the listeners. Um, when I, because I have personal relationships with most of the database producers we do business with. So if you subscribe to the service, if you buy data from this vendor, or if you're trying to get somebody out of a database, I'm usually picking up the phone or meeting them for lunch or because I, besides having a library science degree, I also have a master's in data warehousing and information tech. Mm-hmm. So I could talk to them geek and I could talk to them data. And that's one of the things that kind of makes me unique in this industry. I couldn't surveil anything. Don't ask me to interview. I have no poker face. And, you know, I'm not the investigator who's going to be doing uh, anything in person. I'm, in the, I'm behind the computer all day. So I talk to these programmers and developers. And, you know, what's striking for me is that a lot of the databases that serve our industry, and this won't be a surprise to you, but... Um, are not developed by investigators. They're developed yeah. by, not all. I mean, there's certainly we have tracers and the, the roots of IRB, but, you know, the, 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 a lot of the companies are now marg- large multinational, you know, multi-billion dollar Reed Elsevier and TransUnion, and these aren't investigative companies. So they're serving mm-hmm. us and what we need to get from them. They don't understand their needs. So I think investigators, it's really good to communicate back with your vendors and let them know, you know, this is how this data is going to be used. This is what I need to understand. This is what my needs are from you. And we don't communicate that back to them. So in talking with a developer, well, you know, I was talking to a developer the other day, and he's a really, you know, he could tell you on point the per millionth, uh, hedge fund investments that he has working, and he's got a very Manhattan Wall Street mindset to developing databases, and he knows like where the stock market's going to roll. But basically, he's building a social media tool that that we could just buy social media profiles. So, give me Francie's social media profile. Here's five dollars or fifty dollars, and it spits back the results to me. And I and I told him, I said, you need to bring on some investigators onto your board or onto your development or your sales platform because, you know, we're not going to tell you what we don't like otherwise. You really need to bring on. And I always encourage my PIs to step away from their comfort zone, to call up their vendors and ask to be part of the development process because if we did develop the tools better for, through them, they're going to be better for us. Absolutely. You know, because I've tried some of these um, resources that do social media package it for you and give it to you they're it's worthless it's really mm-hmm. worthless uh, at least for our purposes you know we could have done better ourselves 
It's it's good to a point, and the public records vendors. Now, I just reviewed all um, the top. I call them the top four. It doesn't mean that they're the best or the most popular, but I picked top four public record vendors in the country that we use. So we had TLO, Clear, Accurate, Tracers. And, and mm-hmm. please understand, there are many wonderful public record vendors. I, I don't want to start getting hate emails that I didn't mention a company, but I had to pick four. And I always review these four every four years. And I write about mm-hmm. them in a newsletter. And I talk about what had better here and what had better there. And, but let me, let me tell you, before I get on the, on the uh, writing side of things, I report back to them first. Like I told, say, for example, TLO, they have this great phone database in there, but it's buried under three menu items. There's actually a live phone database in there. I think it's the 411. I'd have to go back mm-hmm. and read my own article. But, but it's, it's so buried in their menu because you know who invented the menu? It was some programmer. It wasn't an investigator. Right. And the language they put on the page, everything's advanced, in-depth, or expert. So, you know, hey, we consider ourselves all those things. Which one do we pick? So I go through and I review these sources and say, you know, well, this database has this expert piece in here. And yes, it truly does give you that. This one has better criminal histories, especially on the West Coast. And we just really pick the services apart and give a kind of a consumer reports view of what what we're going to use it as, as investigators. And it goes back to them. It goes out to the readership. Um, your readers are welcome to drop me an email. We'll send you a copy of the article, you know, keep the communications going. But... But in lieu, you know, in that world, we have our hands on it. We have been communicating in our larger associations these vendors come to. Social media so product no, developers? Oh, there's go ahead. no surprise to them. There's no surprise to them when it comes out in your article that, that they are having this issue or that issue. Well, I try to, I try to relay that before it gets published, but I'm not yeah. holding back. <laughs> I always try to be positive. Okay, yeah, and if people want want to get your data to know um, newsletter, how would they go about getting getting that? Uh, they can come right to the to the actual website data d a t a the number two k n o w dot com, and that'll take you to my company website, where they can email me c h at heatherington group dot com. And let's spell Heatherington. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah. because that's a short and simple name. It is a short and simple name, and, and am I getting it right? Uh, yes, you are. No, you're you're fine. Let's spell it out, though. Okay, C H Charlie Henry at H E T H E R I N G T O N Group dot com. Great, perfect. And if people want your books, are they also on your website, or do they need to go to Amazon or to some other location? No, everything's available on the website. Okay, and, you know, this cool. is always, I'm always a librarian first. If they ever have any questions, you know, they're welcome to write and, you know, we'll get back, we'll write back, you know, we'll, we'll follow through. I, I never leave a question hanging. So, you know, even if the answer is, is, I don't have the answer, but I have to find it. I mean, I'm compelled. My, it's like my oath as a librarian is I always have to find you an answer. So, you know, I'm happy to do that. Right. And, and a lot of times I'll tell you, you know, hey, Cynthia, I really want this book. I'm not. Nobody's retiring on non um, nonfiction investigative books. It's not <laughs> right. like. I'm, in fact, the money that we get from that, we donate 
to uh, Tunnels to Towers, which is a, a first responder nonprofit. So you know, it, nice. it feels good to you know, it feels good to bring in the money, but you know, it goes right back out. So, so we yeah. um, we do good with that. But but the 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 reason I do press the newsletter is because it is coming out with articles that are relevant immediately. I mean, like, wow, what are we going to do about asymmetrical online investigations? And that word asymmetrical is so popular now that it came up in a Game of Thrones article the other day where they were talking about the asymmetrical warfare gameplay in Game of Thrones. And I'm reading this in the Washington Post, and I said, you know, that's really pretty funny because we see this uh, this word coming into popular media now. And um, what does that mean regarding uh, doing searching? Well, it's just it's just a tip of the hat to the to the um, imbalance of information. You see, it starts in the military. The military starts with the word using asymmetrical warfare. You know, mm-hmm. we're going to go against a nation state that has weak cyber communications but very strong manpower and bombing and we are experts and excel at cyber attacks so they're ready to launch their weapons and push buttons to launch you know missiles and do things like that and we just kill their power okay it's, it's the imbalance it's asymmetrical it's the imbalance of power so when it comes into the online warfare who's smarter who's going to get to that data faster who understands how data moves I've got companies that we conduct deep, dark, deep and dark research for to find out where coupon fraud is happening, where their products are getting moved or counterfeited, where stolen goods are happening. You know, we're, I, what I do is, is I train in the law enforcement and military community. I train this information and it deals with drugs, narco-terrorism, counter-terrorism, cyber-counter-terrorism. Uh, and human trafficking. You know, all mm-hmm. the federal agencies come to me for this type of work for training. And then in the business world, you know, where we're going to make our money on this, I'm taking all those same tactics and I'm just taking out uh, a person who might be trafficked and I'm putting in, you know, Campbell soup labels. You know, mm-hmm. it's, everything's got a product movement out there. It's just how do we do this? And in the asymmetrical world is I just have to be smarter than the rest of you. That's why one of the other tips I always like to relay to new investigators coming up, it's just make sure you specialize in a particular area. For every PI out there that I see does everything. Oh, we do surveillance. I know. know, We do counter bug sweeps. We do online searches. No, you don't. (laughs) You say you You do, but you don't really do it all, do you? (laughs) I love that point because when I'm looking for an investigator in another area, who, and I'm looking at people, maybe I've heard their name, but I don't know who they are, really. I've never met them. And I'm looking for specialties. If somebody has a whole list of things of general investigation and everything but the kitchen sink, I pass. Mm-hmm. Right I go to them. the person that maybe has one or two or three things on it. I, 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 got, I do the same thing. And it's it's a real shining point, you know. And the funny thing is, is if somebody calls and asks me for something on, I said, well, I don't do that, but I know a guy who does. And then I'll just, right. you know, recommend the other investigator. And it's funny. I, I got a real great story. I did have to do surveillance once. Okay. Once I, I and it was the, the person we were going to surveil was literally two blocks away from my office. 
And yet I still hired a fellow here, a licensed member in New Jersey, to come out and do surveillance for me. But he was running like, I don't know, 10 minutes late or something. Cynthia, just go sit in your car and watch the house and be observant. And I'm like, hey, I've seen this on TV. I could do this. <laughs> so I pull up in my big red Cadillac, <laughs> which everything glows inside of a caddy, okay? You don't realize how much internal lighting there is until you're trying to make your car dark. And then, I, you know, I'm an online, I'm a cyber investigator. I'm trying to pick up my phone every five seconds because it's just like, you know, it's what I do. And I, I'm like, I can't turn on my cell phone. People know I'm in the car. And, uh, you know, I'm watching the kid do the wrong thing out the back window, but that's not the person who's supposed to watch. I didn't last like five minutes before I was calling him and going, gosh, how far out are you? You know, just, just you know, there's talents and skill sets that are really well placed. But, but I, you know what I do appreciate? I like that I had to do it once because I really appreciate the field investigators who are out there. And we always consider the work that we do in our investigators. We're kind of the analysts in the office. We're the support team for them. You know, we set them up before they go out there. And all of the, like I call them, the true investigators who actually do the field work, they know exactly what we're talking about because it's you're in your office, you do as much as you possibly could get done there before you have to get out there, talk to people, be in front of someone, and start calculating those billable hours. So, so we're all that, intelligent. When you talk to somebody, you can, from personal experience, you can tell them how difficult it is because surveillance is probably the most I think anyway from my perspective it's the most difficult you can type of investigation you can do it's it's difficult it's very hard oh it's it's true it, that's a real talent and you know and then there's weather and <laughs> I'm getting older I'm not gonna <laughs> sit I'm not gonna sit or stand out there and and I, I know surveillance investigators only from um, you know my private investigators to the folks out in the field for the bureau and, you know, they're trying to blend into a community. The women do have an easier task of it because you can always be waiting for some kid in a play date. But, you know, it's it really is a talent, and I have a lot of respect. But, you know, do learn the cyber skills because eventually you're going to want to come back indoors. And I get p- police officers who are retiring all the time. Um, boots on the ground investigators who are, you know want to get out of the field and want to come work with me and and like I said I love a mentor mentee relationship I like to help people grow their practice and their trade I always say I'm building my own competition you know and I like to see I like to see them grow whether they're going to teach whether they're going to write whether they're going to investigate they need to uh, they need to really start getting comfortable with computers. Mm-hmm. And can I tell you, you know, being the lady that gets tagged for a lot of social media investigative work, you need to have a social media presence. Francie, you and I, we are friends on Facebook, okay? I'm out right. there. I'm going to admit it. You know, I came out of the closet. Yes, I have a Facebook account. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. It. You know, I, it's just the way life is. I mean, that's that's just the way. LinkedIn, Facebook. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm a LinkedIn whore. I have so many friends in LinkedIn. I'm waiting for them to host a party for me for my birthday next year. There you go. It is. (laughs) Well, let's talk about these different resources. I asked you what you went to first. You said Google. So then what other resources would you recommend? If we're looking at um, 
Okay, let's say we have a business in the United States. Let's kind of give us a definition of what we're looking at. The important thing to know is businesses do not create themselves and run themselves. People run them. So we're going to look up the backgrounds of the individuals who are responsible for that company. And it starts, uh, first, we, you know, you run a Google search and you want to find the company website. You immediately go to the About Us page and you try to find as much as you can about them with their own self-incriminating statements. Mm -hmm. Always with a grain of salt, you are an investigator. It is your job to doubt everything you read. But you start, you know, you start taking in all that information. And can I stress that you capture it when you see it, when it's on the screen in front of you? Thank Um, you for bringing that up. Uh, well, you know what? I have so many phone calls. Cynthia, I forgot to grab this guy's social media profile or that website, and now it's gone. What do I do? It said it's called the subpoena. So if it's in front of you, capture it. You could do that a number of ways. You can use Adobe Acrobat. There's plenty of captured tools out there from Excellent Social Discovery to um, uh, Snag It and Camtasia by TechSmith. There's you know, take a picture of your screen, print it, do something, but make sure you get a copy. When you do that, you capture everything from the website. The next place you're going to start looking at within the United States is the Secretary of State filings, where that company allegedly is located. And we go to BRB Publications, or you grab my book, The Manual to Online Public Records, off your shelf, and you go to that state. One or the other is going to work for you. And you look up the state, you look up all the filings in state because it's just one big bookmark list of everything you need to know. Alabama to Wyoming, it's all there, honey. BRB Publications. And it's free. That's a free link. So once we find our Secretary of State filings, we start pulling down all the records we can from there. Every state's got something different. Don't assume if you're in a large metropolitan area that the records will be amazing. And if you're in a... uh, lesser affluent state that you won't. I've gotten amazing records from the from the smallest of states and the worst records from the biggest. I was just going to say that it was it's probably the reverse. You probably get more information from the small smaller communities. Wow, I get I have I had the merger and acquisition documents, signatures and everything from the state of Alabama for a company that shifted from 1977 to 1982. And that changed the client's ruling by millions of dollars. It was a $20 document I had to download, do the happy dance, incorporate it into my report, and send it off to the client. And a judgment on that company went out for millions and millions of dollars. Wow. All for the sake of not making an assumption that one state's going to have less than the other, and the secondary is for being smart enough to know that you should look. Investigators, you should always look. Even if you don't think mm-hmm. it's there, look anyway. Mm-hmm. You don't think there's going to be data in that file? Go ahead and just look at the properties. Just look. If you don't look, then I'll be on the other side of the case going, ha-ha, you missed this. Right, right. You know, and our curiosity sometimes gets dumbed down by technology, but it's still there. So so we pull over Secretary of State filings, and then we start getting names of people. Now you do your background investigation. You start using all your amazing databases to look up those people. You're still in BRB publications because now we're not looking for Secretary of State filings. We're looking for any any available civil, criminal, probate, family court. We're looking for any court filings. We're looking in public records. Uh, can I give you a story of a case I just did? Sure. Wow. Talk about a game changer. 
So a client calls me last Friday and says, I got a guy at my company. He's being violent at the office. We need to deal with him. Please do a background check. And this is, Francie, we all get this. It's Friday afternoon. You want to go home and enjoy the weekend. But it's that client. You know what you're doing either that night or Saturday morning. So I said, sure, I'm on it. And I immediately pulled up that this man, and it's a part of the social media platform now, his wife, his wife's obituary and funeral notice was on no, in a funeral home local to his house. Young woman, beautiful woman, a photo of her on the funeral site, not the middle of July did she pass. So now I'm sad because I am a human being. I might, I might call myself a jaded investigator, but I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God, of course this man's life is falling apart. His beautiful wife just died. They left three children behind. This is awful, this poor man, you know. And, and his Facebook page, which was like one, two, three to find, and how do you find that? You Google the guy's name. I mean, it's not hard. This is not difficult, you know. So you Google his name, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, all those accounts will pop up first because they're the most popular things on the Internet. So anything that was attached to social media did come up in a Google search. Okay. And And I'll, I'll come back and we could talk about specifics, but just to kind of keep with this guy's story... His Facebook account was an homage to his wife and the family. And I'm like, this guy's a solid... If I were to believe everything that's presented to me in just social media, I would have no reason to doubt him. He just seemed like mm-hmm. the nicest guy. There wasn't a single photograph of him by himself. He always had a child or his spouse with him. And that goes back for years. It wasn't like it's just, you know, he's sad, so he's just been posting family pictures. Mm-hmm. So... If we went with that, that would be, and that's what your, your rookie investigator will do, or that's what your wannabe, you know, housewife detective is going to do is, oh, well, this is what I found. But then we go into a little database called PACER, which is another public record. And right. it's, it's real important. Social media investigators need to know, if they don't already know this, that public records substantiate your findings in social media. Social media is merely hearsay. It's our personal public relations platform. It's the stuff we want people to see. But if claims are being made in social media, you go to public records to kind of to establish any grounding. So the public records say, yeah, there was a death certificate issued for this woman. Beyond that, when I started looking more into his life and all of his civil, criminal, or social, um, excuse me, family court issues, I found his marriage certificate in the state. I found his, uh, that he and the wife that had just passed were both divorced. And then in Pacer, I found out that he was um, prosecuted, although found not guilty, by the USA. I thought, well, what's that all about? He had been a corrections officer about 10 years ago. And while he was a corrections officer, he was uh, sued by his employer, the USA, for employee violence. He beat, according mm-hmm. to the warden, he beat another corrections officer bloody. Wow. And the case goes on for 60 pages, but it's all right there in Pacer because you could just download it for, I don't know, seven cents a page. It's ridiculously cheap. I know, it's cheap. amazing. <laughs> I, love, I love Pacer. <laughs> So, you know, there I am. I've got my little account. I download like a hundred and something pages all in relation to this case. It talks, it tells a different story of a man who when he's, when he's angry and things aren't going his way, he turns to violence. Mm. 
And again, everything's situational. And I would honestly, again, partner with another investigator who's better at, you know, workplace violence issues. My job is to find the information. So I find all this and I write my client back and I said, well, it's sad that his wife did die, but he doesn't seem to handle stress really well because there were other stressors at the time when this happened. And we could see it does correlate to his social media account because that's when he was getting divorced from his last wife, when other things weren't doing well. So you see the public records and social media just keep tagging each other. You can actually follow and write someone's story by pulling all those intricate data pieces together. And in the end, I said, you know, this is for that corporate security director to deal with. But we had found at least three places where he had been accused of employee violence. And he was subsequently uh, lost his job because of that. And that's why he worked at my client's company. Hmm. But there was no no conviction. Remember, he was prosecuted but not convicted. So maybe that never came up in his background check. Yeah, it wouldn't probably. Yeah. And you know the irony... Other than the drama and all the interest that the case brought in the intrigue for that particular moment, it took about two hours to do. You know, when you're good at this, it's just you're in, mm-hmm. you find it, you document it, you write the report, you send it out to the client, you get paid. You know, you know Cynthia, some of our listeners may not know uh, about PACER. Um, why don't you tell them how they can get what that is and how they can get it? Absolutely. So PACER is the federal district database. It holds all the court records and the federal level. Let me be clear. It doesn't hold all court records. There are exceptions, but you can learn about it at U.S. Courts, U-S-C-O-U-R-T-S dot gov. Or you could search the word PACER, P-A-C-E-R, in Google. And you will find quite a few, um, well, you'll find the link that you'll need. So if you were to drive directly to the site, and I just, I'm in my front of my computer now. Now they actually have a direct link. So you also could go to pacer.gov, P-A-C-E-R.gov. And this okay, is and, a... And anybody can subscribe to this. It's not like the proprietary databases, like you were mentioning, to TLO, that you have to provide credentials. PACER, anybody can sign up for. This is, yes. Anyone can have access to PACER. They are uh, very reasonably priced. And when you get to this particular service, one of the... There's a lot of information. It's the government. So there's a lot of information on the screen. One of the things you want to look at very first and foremost is the PACER case locator. So that's the, that's the Google search on PACER for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. So when you look at a PACER case locator, you can look a company up or a name up. You, you do have to have a subscription, okay? You have to create yourself a subscription to get in. But try some things. Frank, Frank see, I always tell people, when they're getting into these services, try something you know. Like when I pull up the Pacer case locator, I look for Madoff, Bernie, or Bernard. Mm-hmm. Like I know I'm going to find something there, you know. And then you see all the Bernie Madoff case filings that went out. And, and then you learn about it. And, you know, here's a little trick for those that, that could even be familiar with this database or, or other public record databases. Sometimes they have confusing codes. Mm-hmm. They have... Like, this is a 555 or this is a 422 NOS code. I'm like, what the heck is that thing? You know, what, mm-hmm. what's the nature of service? 
you know, what is that? And we had one on one of our listservs the other day, and um, somebody was asking a question. They, they wanted to know uh, a lien had been distributed to somebody, a million-dollar lien against someone. Mm-hmm. And then there was, there was the date of lien, and then there was the release date. And he didn't know what the release date meant. Which makes complete sense because unless you've experienced a lien or you've been investigating or you're a lawyer or, you know, you're in that world, like, why would you know? And it's like, hey, that was the date the guy paid the lien off. Mm-hmm. But you know how I find out answers to questions like that? Like, what's an wow. NOS and what is the release date? I go to Google. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's the librarian <laughs> secret. You go back to Google, you type in lien release. You type those two little words in there, and there'll be explanations. And now you gotta you gotta question the sources you get the information from. I mean, I could say you should go to Black's Law Dictionary, because mm-hmm. Black's Law Dictionary is a librarian is the authority of all legal terminology. That's ex- yeah, yeah, yeah. Go to Google, put in the words, <laughs> and take a synopsis of the best results that you get. You can always ask your associations, you know, and and I encourage all new investigators or you know, people who want to be investigators to join an association because that's why. So you can ask them stupid newbie questions and there's always going to be some smarty pants who always has all the answers. Right. That's you, that's usually me. When you join, welcome. You know? <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, you'll so get what? a lot of answers right there just by searching Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Association, trade association, listservs are fabulous for resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's always very helpful people. There's there's a smart Alex. You're right. There's a smart Alex, but there's also a lot of helpful people. So, what other uh, what other searches or uh, resources would you recommend? So once we get through our public records, okay, we go through, and I am going to repeat this because it's a free resource, and there's a big. I mean, just click on the big button that says free in the middle brbpublications.com bravo romeo bravo publications.com because that's always a go-to site it's a big bookmark list for all the secretary of state state government and county filings so once you're done with that next you're going to go to the social media sites because you want to get people's personal profiles when you're looking at business research you start with linkedin Okay, okay, so you go to LinkedIn. You have to have an account. If you're not gonna, if you're gonna continue to refuse to have accounts in social media, even in the most minimalist sense, so that enough that you have a login, so you can gain access, please get out of this business. <laughs> uh, you don't, you don't belong here. If you, if you're not willing to try to look into the window, if you're afraid you're gonna get poked in the eye, then you don't belong here. So. So you go to LinkedIn and you start looking up the names of the individuals. You try to find the company. You type in, this is what I said I'd come back to. This is the same thing for Facebook. You do this really complicated thing where you open up the application and you type in their name and you hit the search button. (laughs) I'm telling you, I'm getting fat and lazy as an investigator because it's that easy. So I type in their name, and then I pick, because there's options about different people with the same name, and you can narrow down, given the choices on the screen, what you're going to look for, and you can narrow down, and then you try to find your subject. You do the best you can to find them. Oftentimes you do. If you don't, you try looking for someone they might be related to, who might be related to the company, somebody else who might work there, and then you look through their friends list to see if you can connect them. 
So one of the reasons I say LinkedIn, certainly before Facebook, is that Facebook people tend to be protective of their settings and they make sure that they keep their associates and their friends list private. LinkedIn, it's wide open. You'll find everybody connected because they're all endorsing you for these skill sets. So these are just vast lists of connections, colleagues, and uh, characters you can associate. And I call that care analysis. It's characteristics, associations, relationships, and affiliations. And it's a chapter in a book about different types of analytics you could do. So you uh-huh. do carry. You just basically go name grabbing. Again, grab all the names, capture it, make a copy, start doing spreadsheets on those names. Because if they keep coming back, the more they come back, the closer they are. Once I have those profiles and anything they want to admit to, any new connections, any connections between individuals and maybe vendors or associations that they shouldn't have, you know, I'm documenting all that. I get through the social media hub, okay? I pull as much as I can and capture all that. And then the next place I go is my professional databases. Not the public record databases that you need to be a licensed private investigator to gain access to. Sure, I'll use those. But Mm -hmm. I'm looking at professional databases like Dun & Bradstreet, Compass. I'm looking at um, Skyminder, one of the most underutilized best services in the private detective industry. And I'm not even the, familiar with that. What is that? A, you know, that's just the thing. You know, nobody, they, like, it's the librarian to me. I know about this. Skyminder, just like it sounds, S-K-Y-M-I-N-D-E-R.com, is an aggregator of all the business reporting services globally. So they have business reports on companies in China, Italy. They have business reports on um, companies in the U.S., Hmm. How do they get that information? They find, basically, so the United States and Canada, there's a lot of Dun & Bradstreet reports. Mm -hmm. They are a third-party aggregator that resells those reports. And if you went, and I have a DMB account. If I go to DMB, it costs me $100 for a basic business report. If Mm -hmm. I go through Skyminder and buy the same report, it's about half, if not a third, the price. Wow. That's a good tip. Yeah, that's that's me being close to these database producers, I know. Now, I am going to throw out a plug. All of these vendors are at our Osmosis Conference, which we have coming up in October in Myrtle Beach. That's for yeah, talk, on Yes, what, talk about that, because we've got about four minutes left, and people need to know about this conference, Cynthia. So I'm glad you brought you. that up. Go ahead. And I appreciate the platform to mention it, but this is really in my wheelhouse. It's Online Social Media and Open Source Intelligence Summit. This is strictly a conference for professionals like myself who sit behind their computer and do 90% of their investigative work. This is all about training you on being better social media investigators, business due diligence and background investigators, all database resources. So the vendors we have coming in are Media Sonar. I've got Skyminder for business reports. We've got... Um, Voyager for social media tools. I mean, products that we pipe dream to hope to subscribe to. Mm-hmm. We also have as speakers, I've got the people who created and write the books on um, social media investigations. Last two years have been Mike Basil. Uh, this year, Kirby Plessis and Justin Seats. Justin is the manufacturer of Hunchley. I'm really excited about our keynote. That's Johnny Long. Ten years ago, he wrote the book Google Hacks, and he's been writing books and documenting um, open source practices since. So we've got a really rich 
array of talent to teach and to go and learn from vendors. It's two and a half days. It's happening in October from the 8th to the 11th. The website is osmosiscon.com or osmosis17.com, and I'll spell it out, O-S-M-O-S-I-S-C-O-N.com. There's a lot of networking. This conference actually this year was designed for the private investigators. So Myrtle Beach is a great location. It's a good price point. And pretty much if you belong to any association, if you're a friend of Francie's, if you just listen to this show, you email us, we'll give you a coupon, we'll drop the price down even more. So That's fabulous. And that's going to be in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina? That's right. It's in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. It's happening in October. And it is, um, it's, I mean, two, two hosted cocktail nights with vendors. I mean, it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, that, been, is, is a, that will be a draw, the cocktails. The cocktails, <laughs> yes. We have a lot of, you know what the real catch for a lot of my PIs is? Everyone what from is Andrews International to Walmart is going to be in attendance as an attendee. My uh-huh. attendees are ripe for PIs to go picking through. This is, these are your wannabe clients. So, you know, the, the pharmaceuticals, telecommunication companies, mass retailers, cargo companies, they're all there also as attendees. Right. And I got to tell you, these guys, they want to do the work, but they don't have the manpower or the talent to do it. The individual PIs who actually do the work for them as subcontractors, they're the ones, That's- when they show up at the conference, they pick up their business cards. I get a lot of thank yous afterwards for making a lot of introductions for them. This is a perfect way to close. Uh- Cynthia, this is perfect. We're at the end of our hour. I'm glad you brought up osmosis because uh, I meant to and didn't get to it. So thank you for bringing it up. And uh, thank you for being on the show, Cynthia. This is great information. And tune in again next week, folks, as we disclassify more real stories. From real investigators like Cynthia Heatherington, it's PIC Classified and Francie Kaler. Thanks so much for listening. You've been listening to P.I.'s Declassified with your host, Francie Kaler. Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern Time. That's 9 a.m. for you West Coast listeners. P.I.'s Declassified explores stories of deceit, mystery, and detectives unraveling the truth. Every Thursday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, here on the Voice America Variety Channel. 